So one of the things that I want to do with this podcast is explore the idea and the you know the topic of film criticism. And I don't just mean you know reviewing movies uh, per se and discussing movies. Uh, I mean I want to talk more about like film criticism itself. You know what is it? Uh, what is its role in today's you know current culture? Uh, and just kind of define you know what it means to be a film critic. Uh, one of the you know one of the questions I'm asked often from people is you know how how did you become a movie critic? Uh, it seems like a really cool job, right? You get to watch movies for free and write about them and talk about them. Uh, so a lot of people want to know, you know, how did you become a movie critic? So as I uh, I'm going to talk to a lot of film critics over the course of this podcast, and uh, when we discuss with them, we're going to find out, you know, how how did these people become film critics? Uh, what does it mean? And again, just kind of explore the whole topic of film criticism. So thank you for joining the Film Survivor Podcast. This is your host, Tom Santilli. Joining me today, my guest is Chris Williams. He is a film critic uh, who writes for Pathos.com, and he also has a uh, new podcast that is coming out that we'll be talking about uh, in the interview. So uh, without further ado... Uh, here is my discussion with Chris Williams. We're going to be talking about uh, a number of things, uh, including the new Wonder Woman film and uh, The Mummy, which, uh, surprisingly enough, we both didn't hate, which is <laughs> makes us different than most critics out there. But anyway, uh, yeah, here's my discussion with Chris Williams. Hope you enjoy it. So Chris Williams, man, uh, thanks for joining me here on the Film Survivor Podcast. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing great, Tom. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's always good to talk to a fellow uh, film critic. Um, I'm sure we don't always agree on everything, but I know that a couple of the films that we're going to maybe mention today, uh, we're in the minority on, but we may actually agree on some of these things. I know. I feel like this weekend was the one where I had to throw away my credibility. (laughs) There's always one. In terms of what I didn't like and then what I didn't, what I didn't like and then what I did like <laughs> were just totally passed around from what Rotten Tomatoes and everything were saying. Exactly. But isn't it cool? Isn't it to a certain, I mean, to your peers, it's one thing, but isn't, isn't it nice once in a while when you are in the minority, you know what I mean? And you're not trying to just do it to be cool or whatever, but like once in a while, I'm, I'm just kind of like, yeah, you know what? I'm proud of this movie. I don't care if everybody else hated it. Yeah. You kind of, it validates you from being out of the group think. <laughs> and then there's a lot of movies where you're kind of in the minority and it's it's really validating five or six years later yes. to kind of see those movies catch on, like something like MacGruber or something like that. <laughs> well, that one will maybe give a couple more years too. But uh, yeah, <laughs> no, that, that's that's great. That's going to be my story moving forward is you may not agree with me now, but five or six years from now, this is going to make sense. Yep. Or we'll, you know, we'll issue an apology. So. <laughs> So, yeah, so let's backtrack here a little bit. Now, um, people, uh, you know, first of all, again, you're a film critic. I I know you through the Detroit Film Critics Society uh, group that we uh, were in for several years together. Uh, But why don't you tell people a little bit uh, just about you and and what you're doing right now and uh, a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I live in the Detroit area. So uh, that's, like you said, how we got to know each other was through Detroit Film Critics. I write for a website called Pathios right now, which is it's kind of this uh, mix of spirituality and pop culture discussion. Uh, I got hooked up with that last year, 
And it was kind of a perfect site to write for, for me. I grew up kind of in this really strict evangelical background, but I always okay. loved movies. And so much of my life was kind of wrestling with, well, why can't I see certain movies? Is it going to be that harmful? And, and kind of wrestling with this thing I love that was kind of off limits. And so, I, I mean, it's still something I write about. So it kind of gets to the center of my interests. And I'm actually launching a podcast this week called Cross Culture Critic, which is where I discuss those things in a little bit more detail. So awesome. kind of kind of hit the sweet spot after years of just having, you know, standard outlets like newspapers and stuff. I think that's awesome. It's almost like you're right in your in your sweet spot. I mean, you're you're kind of right in the area that is is exactly where you should be. You're not kind of having to curtail uh, your writing to you know your outlet. Yeah, no, it's great. It would be more of a sweet spot if they paid a little bit more. But <laughs> um, I'm happy. You know, I got a I got a full time job that you know kind of funds the dream, as they like to say. <laughs> so I work forty hours a week, and then I go have fun doing this. Well, and I get paid a little bit for it too. That's awesome. Well, you know, we're going to talk about uh, some of the recent movies. I know last weekend, of course, the big movie was Wonder Woman. Uh, I know we share a little bit of love for Logan, uh, which came out earlier in the year. Uh, so there's some things to talk about with movies. But as I as I like to do on this podcast, what I'm uh, really starting to do anyway, when I talk to other film critics on the podcast, is I like I like to kind of tackle this question of, you know. Uh, how did you become a critic? Uh, you know, why are movie critics around? You know, what purpose does, do they have? Uh, so I'm going to kind of hit you with some of these hard questions first, and then we'll we'll, we'll start talking about Wonder Woman and, and a couple of these other films in a minute. But but first, let me ask you just, um, you know, what uh, what exactly like was your break though? You know, like what made you? I know you like movies, but not all people that like movies become a film critic. You know, what what was mm-hmm. your break, and how did that start for you? Yeah, sure. Uh, You know, there's always kind of that saying that critics are failed creators, that the people who wanted to go into the movies and couldn't cut it ended up going into film criticism. Right. And I've never I've never really felt a drive to make movies or anything like that. It you know, I, I love talking about movies. And for me, growing up, even as a kid, I was called Entertainment Tonight by my by my friend's parents. Because I would learn so much about movies, and I would just regurgitate all the facts about them. And I was just this flow of information about movies. And for me, it was never about making them. It was about, did you see this? This is cool. How did they do that? And so it was kind of always in my back, the back of my head as I went to college and I studied journalism. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just kind of filed away. I would do blogging before I got into journalism. I'd have a little live journal or Zanga, and I would write everything on there. And it was basically just a way to keep sharp as I waited to get a journalism career. I was working in call center work, but it was about four years of doing that, and I got to form a voice. And so anytime I would go see a movie with my friends, I would write my thoughts on this Zanga, and I don't go back and look at them because they're terrible. (laughs) But I know if I did, I would see, A, that I was influenced by the critics I was reading, which were probably at that time was Ain't It Cool News was in its heyday Mm -hmm. and Roger Ebert was online. So they probably had a lot of their voice in there. Um, In 2005, I got a job at a weekly paper in Macomb County. I worked for the Source newspaper for four years and it was really just 
it, it was good luck. It was very good fortune. Um, I got hired in as a staff reporter after probably about four years after I was out of college. I had studied journalism. I had taken a few film courses, but it was at that point you were starting to see film criticism wasn't really a full-time career. So I kind of dismissed it and figured I'd keep my blog up and then focus mm-hmm. on my reporting. Sure. Well, I had to fill an entire newspaper. <laughs> I, I was responsible for covering features and news and whatever was going on in Utica and Shelby Township, which meant I also had to, you know, if it was a slow news week, I had to have something to take those pages. Sure. And my bosses were so good about letting me experiment. They, they kind of just let me have free reign with whatever I wanted to do. So I would write columns and that's kind of how I discovered some of my political leanings or, or things like that. But also my editor told me, well, I know you like movies. Why don't you write some movie reviews for us? So I would go see a movie on the weekend with my friends. I'd come back, I'd write a review of it and didn't really know what I was doing. I was kind of copying off what I'd seen others do. And I noticed, oh, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. And I love doing this. Like the actual act of picking apart a movie and seeing why did I like this? What works about this? That was to me like the culmination of the movie going experience. Sure. I, I couldn't leave it there. It was come back and, you know, pick it apart. So after about a year of just writing about what I saw on the weekends, I got put on the list to, uh, to go to the press screenings. So I got to see everything early, which was great and that was about the same time they started the detroit film critics society so i was part of that inaugural year in 2007 sweet and really that was it that's kind of kind of how it it all came together is i did that for about gosh almost 10 years i was writing for the source because even after i left there full-time i was doing it freelance and then i got involved with a magazine that was kind of starting up and then it never started up. And <laughs> Oops. then I went to Patheos. And now I'm in this kind of position where I'm, you know, I've got my blog at Patheos. I'm launching a, uh, launching a podcast, but I'm also mm-hmm. hoping to start doing some more in-depth articles and freelance work for some of these websites out there. And I'm actually getting my uh, grad degree right now in media studies to awesome. eventually one day write books or teach on this or help other people become uh, very low paid film <laughs> exactly I was gonna say help um, anyway <laughs> yeah so uh, something you said earlier though is interesting to me too um, I I have a newborn uh, you know and I know that you have kids I have an eight-month-old boy mm-hmm. and uh, I, I know that you mentioned when you were growing up um, that you weren't allowed to watch certain things possibly and I, I'm, I'm guessing that that was a parental thing uh, yeah now as a parent, uh, I guess, what do you think of that now? Now, because you, uh, you know film and you see film as important, I'm guessing, obviously, uh, what, what's your take on, on uh, like, obviously, I don't know, I mean, certain ages shouldn't see certain kinds of content, but what do you think of it from that, that evangelical kind of point of view as far as parenting and, and looking at movies? Mm-hmm, sure. Um, I, I think I've always disagreed with the tactic my parents kind of had, which was, just kind of a blanket if it's R-rated, no. Mm-hmm. If it's PG-13, no. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like that. I, I think people need to be taught that it's not about content. Um, it, it's actually good good time to be asking about this. Um, mm-hmm. Last week, Sony announced they're putting out clean versions of a lot of their movies. Right. 
Right. Uh, so, so something like Step Brothers, you can get a PG-rated version of Step Brothers. <laughs> well, the thing about Step Brothers is the humor in there is all tied into that R rating. Right. Yep. It, it's context. And I, I think there's so much that people need to understand about how to view film, how to, how to consume it, and understand that, you know, there are some films that have trash in there. There, you know, mm-hmm. there's some movies I watch and I'm like, oh, there's no need for there to be, you know, 10 people being blown away right. in the space of two minutes. Gratuitousness. There's other films where that, yeah. yeah, it's part of the story. It's, or it's woven into there in a way that, you know, it's fantasy. It's fun. I love the John Wick movies. I, I, I mm-hmm. hate gun violence. <laughs> I hate guns. I love John Wick <laughs> because it's go. all fantasy. Um, but as for kids, I mean, my, my, how old is your, your son? He's like not even a year yet, right? Oh, no, yeah. He's just started crawling like two weeks ago. So he's like he's like eight okay. months going on nine. Okay. All right. Well, my son's five, and he loves movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he loves superheroes. And so I'm in this weird place where he loves Batman, and he loves Spider-Man, and he loves Iron Man. But he's five years old and can't see any of the movies about them. <laughs> Because some right. of them are a bit violent sure. and some of them are a bit intense. And uh, so it's kind of, I, I've had to take this stance where, you know, I don't want my kid running around dropping F-bombs. So I'm going to keep him away from anything, you know, with, with harsh language in there. So he's not offending people out at school. And there are some violent scenes he is just not ready for. He, mm-hmm. He's an easily scared kid sometimes. So it's knowing what your kid can handle and then being able to kind of walk them through the stuff when they're ready for it and understanding that what they see, letting them understand that what they see is fiction and knowing the difference between fiction and reality, having them ask questions. And I think watching it with them, um, you know, my son's five, but he's, we've seen Spider-Man. We've seen the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie Mm -hmm. because I watched that with him and he loved it. And there was nothing in there that I was worried about affecting him in any certain way. Right. And we watched it together. We talked about it. Um, I, I, it's very easy to look at movies as kind of the babysitter mm-hmm. that it's the thing your kids are going to do when they're off with their friends. I think if you make it an interactive thing and you know your kid and you realize you're going to screw up sometimes <laughs> um, and show them the wrong thing and be ready to handle that when they're sleeping in your room for five hours. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's muddy water that I haven't figured out yet, Sure, but that seems to be what works best is just knowing my kid and what they can handle. I'm taking notes right now, by the way. That's why I'm pausing, just because so I can uh, take all these parenting notes as I go through my podcast here. But uh, no, uh, you know, I think it's just an interesting thing. And, and nowadays, too, with the political climate, and I obviously don't want to get too political right now with the, anything, unless you really want to. Well, we'll talk about anything. But uh, you know, really, the, the the whole thing about I find it interesting too is, is you're such a, an interesting critic to me because. Um, for example, we get a lot, uh, you know, I'm on Critically Speaking on Fox 2, and every week mm-hmm. uh, Fox 2 shares the, it on social media, and they always put, are you going to the movies this weekend? And there's always like 20 comments in there that are, are people that, that are like, hell no, those uh, elitists out in California, you know, screw them, I would never support them with their money, and do, 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 do. So <laughs> what I think is funny about that is that, you know, the evangelical right uh, a lot of times you know, are associated with the right, um, Hollywood is the last place that you would find people, uh, I guess, in, in, in the stereotype of, of that, I guess. So mm-hmm. w- w- how do you how do you match that? Do you see yourself somewhat as, uh, 
going against the grain that you are, you know, not, I guess we're not part of the, the system, you know, but we, we are a part of the system in terms of we watch the movies, we critique the movies, we contribute to the, you know, the, the talk about the movies. Uh, what's your take on that? Um, it's kind of a fine line. Um, I, I, I write for a spirituality-based website. Uh, the very nice thing about Patheos is it's not a, quote, Christian website. It's not evangelical-based. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually have channels for Christians, Catholic Christians, evangelical Christians, but also Buddhists, Muslims, mm-hmm. atheists. So my audience is made up of people of all faiths to the point where some of the most interesting comments I've received have been from Wiccans when we're talking about the witch oh, wow. or atheists when I talk about struggles with the faith. So I'm kind of in a good position where I don't have to cater to a lot of uh, the more judgmental mm-hmm. evangelical. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I won't go into politics, but I will say this is not a great time to identify as an evangelical <laughs> in many times. Sure. Um, and it puts me at odds and I've just kind of decided it's a label that I don't really like to claim right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Christian. And that's it. And however, you know, how my faith leads me to view movies I found has taken me deeper in my faith. So I kind of have this freedom to say, and there are a lot of people out like that. There's a great website called Christ in Pop Culture that I think is doing some of the best film review work I've seen, um, mm-hmm. best film analysis and pop culture analysis, because they're looking at through it, not through a political lens, not through this lens of right-wing identity, but hey, we are people who believe a certain thing, and how do we see that played out in the movies that we love, in the TV that we love? And it just adds another element to the debate. It doesn't say hands off on the movie. It says, here's another dimension we can talk about them in. Um, so I've met a lot of friends who, they, they have a perspective on a movie. You know, a Tree of Life is something that a lot of Christians, for, for some reason, are really moved by, and it's a movie I love, and we have a lot of deep discussions about that that really kind of baffle people who don't share that faith. And they kind of sometimes a lot of people see that movie as very bland or yeah. uh, I don't think bland is the right word, but impenetrable. Sure. Um, and then you just kind of learn which ones you got to kind of dust off a bit. Um, I, I always I, I about once a month I get a comment that I'm going to hell right. um, or that you know, how could I support this movie or I should only be supporting God's not dead. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, you just do your best to ignore it. And it's part of and it. Try it comes and with it. Them. Well, I'm part of a critic too. Yeah. I, I think people look at critics as, you know, the elites and we're standing there behind the velvet ropes and we only like art films and right. we just automatically forget anything you know, anything that's studio produced, we don't want anything to be, anything to do with. So we don't, we're out of touch with the mainstream. And I hate that, that depiction because I love the Fast and the Furious movies. I mm-hmm. love, like you said, Logan mm-hmm. this year. I think Logan is one of the best movies this year. Um, you know, I was one of the probably two critics who enjoyed The Mummy. <laughs> and I might be talking to the other hey, critics. Hey, hey, what's up, and, man? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the thing is, is what people don't realize is we, we didn't get to a point where we were watching movies and one day just decided, you know who I love? I love Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. My, my first movie in the theater, I love Paul Thomas. No, it's 
I, I learned to start watching movies. I learned what I liked. I let myself be challenged and I grew into this. I, you know, it's kind of like teaching a kid to go from McDonald's to a really good steak mm-hmm. to a filet mignon. And, and it, being able to you appreciate have to it. Learn. Yeah. Yeah. And some people, they don't want to do that. And that's fine. They, they don't want to go to the movies and think they just want to have a good time and that's fine. But I think there's an element of criticism, which is education, which is telling people how movies work and helping, helping them watch movies the right way, um, which I'm a little hesitant to phrase it like that, but what to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, Roger Ebert always said, you know, a film is not what it's about, it's how it's about it, which changed my life, hmm. changed the way I watch movies. And being able to kind of tell people, okay, this movie's making this statement, but do you see why the characters are saying that? Do you see how the, the tone of this movie might be at odds with that? And they're saying something different. Sure. And I think in the, in the Christian community, that's what I see is people just don't understand. They see content and they don't understand how that plays with the context to make a theme that actually might support so many of their views and might enrich their faith. And I kind of think that's my job is to help them, help them see that a bit. You mentioned Roger Ebert, too, who I love. I mean, I think every person who obviously is a film critic or even a journalist uh, in pop culture owes a little bit to, to Roger Ebert. But um, the thing about them that bothered me, Siskel and Ebert, of course, not bothered, I shouldn't say, but the thing that's interesting about that is that as much as they helped bring film criticism to the forefront and make it like an important thing that people were aware of, they also, mm-hmm. they also seem to kind of... Um, you know, they, I don't want to say, I don't know, dumbed it down isn't the right thing to say, but they also kind of, you know, they re- reduced it to thumb up, thumb down, or, you know, or two thumbs up. And, and I think that that kind of shorthand it has kind of transgressed into what we have now, you know, where it, like things like Rotten Tomatoes and these sites that kind of just kind of glop all of these reviews together uh, to give people like an overall rating. The, the thing with me about criticism that I love to me, I, I don't look at it like a recommendation. I don't know if you share this or not, but I don't look at it like I recommend a film to somebody like you shouldn't go see it if I don't like it or you should mm-hmm. go see it if I do like it. To me, the best thing that can come out of one of my reviews is to engage somebody with something. You know, I, I love the discussion of things, uh, which is what we're going to do mm-hmm. here in a second, where you talk about a movie with another person. You know, like you said, the experience doesn't end when the credits roll. You know, it's almost kind of like... You know, you you almost have to have it. To me, a movie is a shared experience, even though it's such a personal thing too. Uh, but I just love that engagement process of people, you know, challenging you or finding out why people didn't like something or why they did like something, and then just kind of learning. You know, it's just the human condition to me. Yeah, I know. I think you're dead on, and I think Roger Ebert would agree with you. He uh, he got into a famous debate with Richard Corliss years ago. Uh, Richard Corliss wrote this article that just panned Siskel and Ebert Mm. because it was reducing everything to thumbs up or thumbs down. And Ebert's response was, well, yeah, uh, we don't, we don't pretend that their show is deep film criticism. And he, like in later years, he hated that he had to do stars. He hated (laughs) the whole star review system. Um, I was kind of lucky in that I got introduced to Ebert, not through his show, but through his actual writing. Um, I had a friend recommend that I start reading him. Um, but no, I totally agree with you. It's the whole conversation that that kind of makes me keeps me doing it because it's not easy to do, 
you know, I have two kids and mm -hmm. going to a screening is not always fun. And <laughs> damn it, you know, staying up late to write a review. So it posts by the time the film releases, it's, it's tiring. But oh, yeah. when you start engaging with people, and I think that's what the internet has done, like just changed film criticism. Because Absolutely. it used to be, it used to be all about opening day. And mm -hmm. critics were, um, I, I remember talking to Terry Lawson, the uh, old free press critic oh, years yeah. ago. Um, and I talked to him when I was in high school because I was just starting to think, well, that might be a career I want to pursue. So I called him up for a class assignment. And after telling me, don't be a film critic because there's no money in it, <laughs> he kind of described it as consumer reviews. Sure. And I don't feel that way anymore. And I think that might be what it used to be when the whole conversation was centered on opening weekend. But with Twitter and with all these deep dives you can go in into on different websites, the opening weekend is just the start of the conversation. Sure. I mean, we're two weeks past Wonder Woman opening, and people are still writing about that movie's impact. And that's that's what I love is just the back and forth. The review is just a Kickstarter. I agree totally. And well, and speaking of that, and that's a good segue into Wonder Woman. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about this now. Of, of course, uh, I'll give people a spoiler alert here if they're listening. You know, we are gonna you know feel free, Chris, to talk about the plot and stuff like that. I, I'm not big on. Sure. You know, uh, whatever people can pause this and go watch Wonder Woman, and then come back and and, and listen to this podcast at this point. But uh, yeah, so that came out last weekend or two weeks ago or whatever it was, and uh, huge. I mean, I, it, not only mm -hmm. huge financially because I think that people kind of expected it to do well, but I think again, um, I don't know if I don't think the critics critics can take all of the credit, of course, here, but I think it was helped greatly by the shock that people who saw it early said it was good and uh yeah yeah i mean it, it affected it in that way and, and i guess what, what did you think of that even as before you saw wonder woman what was your initial reaction when the, the, it started coming out like hey this thing actually isn't a piece of shit um well having seen batman versus superman i was surprised <laughs> um, exactly no I, I you know and i i didn't see wonder woman until this past weekend i wasn't able to make it to the screening so i didn't see it till my wife and i got a chance to go on a date night this past weekend. Okay. So everyone was talking about it and I was kind of out of the loop. Um, but yeah, you know, she was, I, I always thought Wonder Woman was the one slight bright spot in Batman versus Superman. So I thought there could be, there could be hope for that, but I didn't have a lot of confidence because every DC movie lately had promising trailers and then just fell flat for me you don't want to get burned again after a suicide yeah, squad and things yeah, like that. yeah and i didn't even bother with suicide squad okay i <laughs> like I, I was i i didn't go screen it and then i heard the reviews and i'm like yeah okay i don't need that in my life <laughs> but um i the reviews started coming out being very good and so i was i was interested i had liked all the trailers um i was really I, I was really hesitant to be confident in Gal Gadot just because I had only seen her in the Fast and the Furious movies. Right. And acting wasn't really the strong suit in that movie. <laughs> um, that's not why she was there. That's and a... she was there because she can do stunts and she's pretty. Nice way to say it, yeah. Uh, so I was, I was curious, but uh, I was, you know, I was not not wanting to get burned. But uh, when, when people started going crazy for it, I was like, okay, I got to go see this. And uh, yeah, we saw it this weekend. and. I loved it, and I loved Gal Gadot in it. What did your wife think? We both both loved it. Um, if I wasn't, 
such a uh, Guardians of the Galaxy fan, <laughs> I would probably say it's the best superhero movie this summer, but I really loved Guardians of the Galaxy. But this is neck and neck, and I think it's, it's I mean, it's far and away the best thing the DC movies have done lately, but I would even say maybe since The Dark Knight. That's what I've been hearing a lot of people say. What, interestingly about Wonder Woman is I I didn't love it, love it. Like, I didn't love it as much okay. as everybody else loved it. Um, and I got some flack, too, again, from the show on Fox. You know, again, I, it's funny that I was just commenting on Roger Ebert, but we're we're forced to give thumbs up and thumbs down every week <laughs> on TV mm-hmm. as well. And uh, uh, I, and when forced into it, it, it's very similar to what you said about The Mummy, which we'll also talk about in a minute here, but... Uh, I got. I sat down with Wonder Woman, and as I started kind of ta- wanting to write about it, I was kind of like I. I found that I didn't have all. I had more negative kind of feelings about it than I did positive. So I kind of was like, eh, it was okay. Like I like it. It wasn't like I didn't like it or it was a bad movie. And I and I actually was very impressed by Gal Gadot or whatever, however you pronounce her name. Uh, she to me, like you said, she kind of overcame the. Uh, you know, she's not just this, you know, beautiful, she is beautiful, but she's not just this beautiful actress that they found to stick in the role of Wonder Woman. Like, she actually carried the role, um, had charisma, mm-hmm. she was great, She like, she's the definitive Wonder Woman. Um, you know, much like Heath Ledger is the definitive Joker, uh, like, I, I couldn't imagine anybody else being Wonder Woman now after seeing her as this character. Uh, I would, yeah. I would definitely compare her performance to Christopher Reeve as Superman. Okay. Just yeah. in terms of embodying the decency and the joy. Like, she smiles. <laughs> When's the last time you saw <laughs> any DC superhero smile? Uh, she smiles. She likes doing this. And yeah, I, I thought she was great. Um, I, I am curious, what were some of your drawbacks in that? Well, so that was the other thing. Yeah. So I always go back to, to a movie that I liked. I did, again, I didn't love this movie, but I, I always like um, uh, the M. Night Shyamalan movie, Unbreakable. Uh, you, which you've I love seen. Unbreakable. Yeah, so in that movie, they talk a lot about how a hero is only as good as his villain, right? Um, and mm-hmm. and having a good villain. I felt like that was a huge lacking part of this movie, and I felt to me, you know, the, the, obviously the things that people when they are forced to talk about Wonder Woman, especially critics, I think the thing that people do hold up is like you know the plot again was kind of your traditional comic book story plot. Not the strong point. There are a lot of other things that people liked about it, but none of nobody's coming out and saying that the script is is award worthy or anything like that. And then I kept telling myself too. Now maybe this is not the right way to look at it. I I, I understand the importance of the movie and like you know this is a character that's they've been trying to get on the screen for seventy five years and uh, the whole you know the importance of a female superhero. But I also felt like if that would have been a male character, if they would have just made this movie and it would have been called Wonder Man, I feel like it would have been getting panned as just another chapter in the comic book movie, you know, world. Well, I think on um, on the part of the villain, yeah, I, I would probably agree with you on that. I, I didn't, I wasn't, wasn't really bothered by Danny Houston. I didn't think he was bland. Um, in fact, I really liked him through most of the movie when I thought they were going to pay off that he was Ares mm-hmm. and the fake out was okay, but to hinge it on a character who I've spent five minutes with doesn't really do much for me. Yeah. Um, I do think when it turns into two gods fighting, right. I, I that's just something in movies that I kind of check out on. <laughs> um, yes, because 
Yeah, I've seen it so many times. The villain didn't bother me. Uh, I, I would say it's, you know, I cut Marvel movies a lot of slack, even though all their villains tend to suck. Um, <laughs> and I think in this case, because it's an origin story, the main thing I want with the origin story is for the hero to stick for me. I'm, we're going to put up with some villain stuff, some typical plot shenanigans, because the, the hero is the main thing. And I thought they did a good job of defining her, giving her something to fight for. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know about the thought about if she had been a man, because I think the whole point is she's a woman. She comes from a island of women, and, you know, her femininity, her... Yeah her woman identity that it is right it's i i totally agree with that what i mean by that is i I feel like it shouldn't people shouldn't say that people shouldn't say that this is somehow a better comic book movie or the best you know comic book movie in in several years simply because it's a female superhero character if that makes sense do you know what i mean like just the fact that they made a superhero female movie is important but that doesn't make it Mm -hmm. a good film um you know, so I, I feel like there should be like a distinction there where I feel like a lot of people are just heaping praise on the fact that it's because she's a female superhero, then, you know, this movie is automatically great. Uh, you know, so I, I guess sure. that's the distinction that I was making there. Yeah, and I think what's going to happen, and I, I haven't had to write a review because I saw it after release. Right. So I haven't had to, like, I can still just bask in the, oh, I saw it and I loved it. <laughs> and uh, not have to dissect it. But <laughs> I, I think it's going to be interesting once you have captain marvel in a few years and you start you know female superheroes will hopefully become just part of the norm and you're going to have films about black widow and batwoman and things like that sure um i'm curious how people are going to reassess wonder woman in the years to come i think it's a very solid movie they're going to look at it as an important movie um i am curious if the high gets little leveled off um because you look at spider-man or x-men or, or um, Iron Man even. And those are movies that they were the first big superhero movies in many ways. Mm-hmm. They all did different things for the first time. And I remember X-Men came out in 2000 and people lost their minds. Like, mm-hmm. This is the greatest movie. They finally got it right. I, I can't <laughs> go back and watch X-Men. It's <laughs> sure. not a good movie. Um, but at that time, yeah, I was like, oh, they finally got a comic book movie right. <laughs> so I don't think Wonder Woman's going to suffer is bad because I think it's a legitimately good movie, but I do think people will probably be a little less forgiving of some of the, the more cliched routes it takes. Um, you know, it's very much a get the thingy yeah. uh, movie, you know, get, get the God. And, uh, you know, but for me, I'm just happy that it's a DC movie where the hero is happy. And <laughs> it, it seems to believe, I, I feel like every, every choice Patty Jenkins made about Wonder Woman is the right choice in the way that every choice Zack Snyder made about Superman was the wrong choice. I see. <laughs> it, it, she lets her be a hero. She, she, it's sincere, and they're not afraid of sincerity. And... Well, as I, as I further blow my credibility here on this podcast, we're going to shift gears, <laughs> and I'm going to talk about The Mummy slightly. Um, th- this, of course, was the, the Universal's launching of their Dark Universe Uh you know, their attempt to kind of create their own Marvel universe where they're going to pull out pretty much every, uh, you know, mothballed um, old monster villain that they have in their archives and are going to bring them to the big screen. Or that was at least their plan before 
before the he mummy. Has to start and finish. <laughs> start and finish of the dark universe. <laughs> exactly. So, um, that being said, I okay. I'll let you go first on this one. What did you think of the mummy? <laughs> um, I, I think I started my review off by saying I had fun with the mummy, and I cannot defend it. Um, I, you know, I was very shocked to see. Like I saw it last week, and I expected it to be terrible. Sure. Like every every trailer just looked horrible. I didn't know what was going on with this, and I went and saw it basically so I could, you know, have a review up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very surprised. I mean, I people like to complain that you know Universal's doing the Marvel thing, and I, I yeah, I, I'm sick of everything being a you know, a universe. Although between this and King Arthur, those universes probably won't happen. Um, Gosh. But I mean, Universal was doing that first in a way. You had the Universal Monsters. You had Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Sure. And Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. So, it you know, it, it there's precedent for that. I don't know if, you know, putting them at odds with the men in black is <laughs> really going to solve the problem. But... Uh, you know, it's a stupid movie. It, it, it's I think the producers behind it are the same people behind Fast and the Furious. Yeah, and you can tell because they really lean into the stupidity. Yeah, and I was okay with that. Um, <laughs> I like I thought Tom Cruise. You know, you need someone big to kind of tell you it's okay to laugh at this. Yeah, and I, I thought he was very funny. He's you know he never commits less than a hundred percent to a role. Uh, even if he's only playing the Tom Cruise character, and, and even if you hold, like, I mean, you'd have to hold up a picture of him, and then you can like tell he's aged. But like within the movie, mm-hmm. I I always feel like he's always just Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, yeah, and and in this movie, he's I don't know Nick Morton, um, <laughs> but he's Tom Cruise. I mean, he's just right. the Tom Cruise character, <laughs> and I, that's fine. He does that in Mission Impossible, and I like the Mission Impossible movies, even though Ethan Hunt has no character. That's fine. It's it's a action action scene delivery system um you know there's some fun action there's a piece in the airplane that i loved yeah it's funny it has a sense of humor about itself and i kind of like this thing they did that they give up on at the end but tom cruise is kind of the damsel in distress in this movie (laughs) he you know in most movies it would be a male mummy coming back to life to stalk a woman Mm. in this case it's a female mummy mummy Stalking a man who is terrified and clueless about what's going on, and <laughs> I thought that was clever until they, you know, made him the hero at the end. Yep. So yeah, there's some funny stuff. There's some beats that I enjoyed. I thought it had personality. It's a mess, and we can get into its many, many, many plot failures. Oh, but, yeah. uh, you know, I, I have to be honest and say I was not bored. I enjoyed it. Um, if I saw this on Netflix, I'd on a Saturday afternoon, I'd probably pick it up and start watching. The the thing that I feel is, you know, it, it, again, I, I try my best to avoid um, other critics' reviews and things like that. It's, you know, obviously, especially before I've read uh, or before mm-hmm. I've seen the movie myself, but um, until I've written my review also, you know, I try not to read anything and just be influenced in, in that way. But I was really shocked after I put my review out I, I wanted to go back and write it again because the thing that's bothering me about this is that it's being somehow hyped up like it's terrible. Like, you know, like it's like mm-hmm. the worst movie ever. And I wanted to say, oh, well, hold on, guys. You know, this this movie's 
just bad. <laughs> you know, it's not. I, I I liked it enough to think that you should go see it, but I'm not going to defend it like you said. In no way can I defend this film. Um, but it's not horrible. It's way better than a lot of other movies that people have given fairly good reviews to. Do you know what I mean? Like it just it wasn't like a dumpster fire to me, which was surprising how it's being touted. Yeah, no, I mean, I saw Baywatch a few weeks ago, oh, and sorry to hear that. That is one of the worst. <laughs> that's a terrible movie, and that is, that is a much worse movie than The Mummy. The Mummy is a you know, it's it's the type of movie I would have loved as a teenager that I'd be wondering why did the critics only give it two stars? Yeah, that deserve four. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's a dumb, stupid movie, but it has personality, I think, and there's some capable action scenes and it never had me bored. I think, I think there's some extra, extra textual stuff going on. And I don't like to assume what's in other critics minds, but there's a hive mentality. Sometimes I think, yes, where, you know, first off it's Tom Cruise. The bigger they come, the harder they fall, you know? So the new Tom Cruise movie, I didn't love it. Let's trash it. Mm-hmm. So I think there was already blood in the water. They, they had, you know, people like to go after Tom Cruise because he's weird. Mm-hmm. But I, I think his movies are more often than not good. But I, so I think there was that. And then I think there's the, you know, the, there's definitely a hubris in a studio saying, here's our first movie. And by the way, it's launching 20 more movies. Mm-hmm. And I think people are really quick to pounce on that because, yeah, it's, you know, it's presumptuous. It's saying, you know, don't, this movie is basically a trailer for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting sick of that, but if they can make a good movie out of it, I would much rather have a movie that can branch off in 20 different directions than give me five sequels that are going to be the same movie over and over again. Yeah, like it, it, it had this weird kind of, I don't know, like, kitschy quality about it where, like, even, like, you know, Russell Crowe pops up and you hear that, his, you know, he's uh, Dr. Jekyll. You know, like mm-hmm. that's an old character that we obviously have. You know, you know, we've seen it millions of times. I think my favorite rendition is like Looney Tunes version, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you oh, heard yeah. that. But he, uh, you know, that's a there's a there's an example of like yeah, that's a tired character. But like I was kind of interested. Like, huh? Like I haven't seen a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde on in a movie. You know, in in the CG era. You know, like what what could this become? You know, or what what would the Bride of Frankenstein look like? You know, nowadays, you know, there, I don't know. There, there's just something that was piquing my kind of nostalgia with this whole universe that I kind of wanted to give a chance and I wanted to like it. And for a fleeting minute, yeah, minute I, there during that airplane scene, which comes towards the front of the movie, during that scene, there was a fleeting moment where I was saying, "Wow, this this could actually be great." And then it went. Yeah, away. me too. <laughs> it, it didn't do that, but I don't know, like. There's been this real rush between people I've seen online right now to go back and talk about how much they love the Brendan Fraser Mummy movie. (laughs) Okay. And I think they need to go back and watch the Brendan Fraser Mummy movie (laughs) because it's not very good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But what I liked about this is it, you know, it tries in parts to be a horror movie, whereas that was a straight out adventure. This has some scenes that I don't want to say they're scary, but they're monster scenes. And it felt kind of in line with, oh, yeah, this is the kind of universal thing. It's spooky, and mm-hmm. there's all these supernatural beasts they have to fight, and that's, that's kind of fun. And I liked Russell Crowe. Um, I'm probably an apologist for him, but I <laughs> thought it was – I always like it when he shows up in a movie, and 
you know, he's not doing nice guys type work here, but yeah. he's, it's fun to see him and he's having fun when he turns into Hyde. And I, you know, I think having an organization that basically exists to quote hunt evil. Sure. That's stupid, <laughs> but it's the kind of stupid I can get on board with. Like, like there, there's a universe where this is a smash hit and it just, ends up colliding with the Fast and the Furious franchise and no one bats an eyelash because it makes yeah. sense because they're both stupid. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, stupid, but... The stupid universe. Yeah, I, I, it was stupid fun, and I think there is a place for that. And I would rather have stupid fun than fun that takes itself way too seriously. Well, uh, uh, shifting gears again, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention at least briefly here uh, another film of this year that is a comic book film it's one of my favorite films. It takes itself very seriously, but I thought it was freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's Logan. Um, sure. Your thoughts. Uh, w- w- what did you think of Logan from earlier in the year? Um, gosh, that was another one I saw late. I, I think I saw that about a week or two after it came out um, because I knew my wife wanted to see it. So we saw it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved it. I, I mean, and I'm someone who is sick of X-Men movies mm-hmm. and I think Hugh Jackman is better served often doing other things because he's not just an action star. He's a good actor. Mm -hmm. He's an entertaining guy. But yeah, I mean, that movie blew me away. Um, I I think there's a place for movies that take themselves seriously like that. Uh And I think a movie like Logan gives you a character who, yeah, there's a serious story to tell about him. I don't want to see R-rated Batman movies, but an R-rated Logan movie Mm -hmm. for a character who we're introduced to him in the X-Men movies when his claws come out and they ask him, you know, does that hurt? And he's like, every time. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens to that 20, 30, 40 years later? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the perfect way to wrap it up. And he's great. I think, um, gosh, why am I? Patrick Stewart oh, yeah. is fantastic in it. I, you know, it, it gets into this idea that growing old, you know, you're going to have regrets and you're going to have pains and you're going to have disturbing things. And it doubles down on that. And I think because you have a character who is, who is at heart dark and disturbed, you can make a disturbing movie, and I think it's going to be more effective and powerful than giving that character a sanitized PG-13 movie, and you're actually wrestling with themes, which that's what I loved. It was about something. It wasn't, let's save the world. It was about this character and regret yeah. and redemption i love that i i think i wish they would i wish studios would embrace different ways of telling a story other than the pg-13 i want to see a g-rated superman movie i want to see a <laughs> pg-rated spider-man movie and you know what r-rated x-men wolverine movie i i dug it well and that's i, I think that you know tonally um tonally it had absolutely nothing compared to deadpool but the, the success mm-hmm. of Deadpool, the early buzz on Logan was like, um, you know, oh, another, you know, they, they're going to kind of go harder with the R, you know, now because of the, the studios felt more comfortable with that because of the success of Deadpool with the R rating and how well it did at the box office. Um, but I, I feel like that was just another element. Like you said, it just put it in its separate, it put it in a separate box of, of these other, of all comic book movies when, you know, they're dropping F-bombs and stuff like that, you know, and mm-hmm. you're, you're just not used to that kind of adult content. Uh, but but I thought, I agree with you completely, I thought Hugh Jackman, though, and Patrick Stewart together were 
were fantastic. And as much as the story is about uh, Logan and, and Wolverine, I thought it was a nice kind of uh, re- kind of a closure to the Patrick Stewart character. Uh, it's a supposedly he's come out and said that you know it's his last time he'll ever portray Professor X. You know we'll have to see about that. But you know it, it kind of just like you said, like you, it, so many the, the thing about comic books, what people love about them is they're they never change. You know they're they're fictional characters, so Superman is still you know Superman. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. after all these years. Wonder Woman is still Wonder Woman. She's not 120 years old now or whatever. Uh, you know, so it's it's interesting when you pull them out of that normalcy and you put them into a position like into the future. Like, well, yeah, what would actually happen? You know, or who did win this mutant war? Where did the where what's the future look like in this world? You know, did the X Men come out on top? Even these kind of questions are all in the background of Logan, and I thought it was really interesting, and I thought it even opened up doors maybe to explore other parts of that like forward universe. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think they leave it open for exploring what happens with the kids and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, I, I think we're going to be at an interesting time for superhero movies because I don't think with as many comic book movies coming out as there are that they can survive all being, you know, get the thingy, save the world and stop the glowing light. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to have to use imagination and how they tell these stories. And, I defend the Marvel movies, but once they hit Infinity War, they're going to have to find a way to reboot or they're already finding new directions. You know, Mm -hmm. Doctor Strange, I thought was a nice little twist. It looks like Thor Ragnarok is doing something a little different. Um, But I'm really interested in the movies that are going to try and actually tell a character story, which is what Logan did. I mean, it was not an X-Men movie. It was a Wolverine movie and let's deal with the themes that arise. Um, Deadpool kind of primed the water for that. I I liked Deadpool, but I wasn't as over the moon for it right. as a lot of people were. Um, I thought its our rating was, hey, we're going to have a character saying F-words, and isn't that <laughs> shocking? And sometimes it was very funny, but I don't think I'll ever go back and rewatch it. <laughs> but I think it opened the door to say, okay, well, what else do we have R-rated or that we could do that adults are going to come to? We trust that they're going to come to this. Mm-hmm. Oh hey, we've got Wolverine. Let's do an actual story. Let's let's make this about something. And yeah, that's what I what I love the most about it is I left there feeling like okay, here's a movie that presented a a real world, a real dilemma. And yeah, if if it wasn't for Get Out, that would be my favorite movie of the year so far. Oh, and Get Out, yeah, I love that movie. Uh, final thoughts yeah. on Logan though. Do you think is there any real chance that anything from that movie could be noticed in an award season? Uh, Hugh Jackman specifically. I saw you getting into that with a critic on Twitter this week. I did. <laughs> I did. I totally did. Um, you know, I would say if they were having the awards tomorrow, <laughs> that I would have no problem seeing Hugh Jackman nominated and Patrick Stewart. Sure. Because I think they are they are both phenomenal. I think that is, I mean, they have both had, especially Patrick Stewart, they have had great careers, and I feel like this is the best work either of them have ever done. I would agree. And with that. so I would have no problem. I just, I have no idea what's in store for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's hard to and, say. At this point. And, and, but I, I feel like it was popular enough. The, the Academy likes to notice popular things, and it's respectable enough. And the movie got great reviews. Um, I think if anything kept them from uh, getting nominated, it's either that there's a really good year, or there's going to be kind of like the comedy bias where, mm-hmm. you know, com- comedic actors never get awards. 
we might get into a place where maybe that's going to be the thing with comic book actors. Right. And uh, Heath Ledger did get an award, but that was before we really got this glut of comic book movies. Right. Very interesting, but I love articles like that because they just put it in their head, even if you disagree or agree with it. It just puts it in your head. Oh, somebody's talking about Hugh Jackman for an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> so I like that. Um, well, hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chris, um, this was really cool, man. I, I really appreciate you joining me and, and t- chatting movies with me, uh, telling a little bit about your story, about how you became a critic. Uh, it was fun, man. What do you think? Yeah, it was great. I uh, had a great time, and always good to meet someone who is also going to be in the trenches defending the mummy. So <laughs> I, I, we're, we're just going to avoid the fact that we're also in the minority on It Comes at Night. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Well, well, hey, man. I, I don't know. Were you a big Krisha fan? Were you one of those? I loved Krisha. It was on my top ten list last year. Yeah. Um, loved it. Yeah, I, I was disappointed in It Comes at Night, and I think I'm still wrestling with why. I wanted to so. like it, and it was a cool like tone movie. Mm-hmm. I know we weren't planning on talking about that movie, but yeah, it was super cool. But it was just like I was really disappointed and kind of scratched my head when I left, and then I was kind of wondering what the purpose of everything was. Yeah, it's oh, it's so well made too. The atmosphere is great. I think Joel Edgerton's great. Mm-hmm. There are some really tense moments, but it's so committed to being ambiguous that it just yeah, I didn't know why I should care about anything. It, so. Exactly, and it doesn't leave you any reason to. Yep. But, uh, yep. So, so we can just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, again, man, this is cool. And I appreciate you. Uh, why don't you tell people one more time, um, where they can find you, uh, you know, social media and also what you, what you got cooking and where they might be able to find your podcast coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find my writing at Patheos. That's P A T H E O S. I write the criticisms blog, which is in the entertainment section. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at cdubs727, and you can check out my podcast, Cross Culture Critic, which is going to launch on Friday on Podbean. So crossculturecritic.podbean.com. Real quick, put you on the spot. Any movie, what's, what's the movie you're looking forward to the most right now coming out this summer or the rest of the season? Ooh, it's a weird summer in that there's not a ton I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Um, I'm screening Cars 3 this week, which I'm not really too hyped about. Um, but I would say, I think the one I'm most excited about is uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Okay, yeah, sure. So I, I, I was a huge fan of the last one. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious. I think that is one of the best franchises going right now. So I'm curious to see where it goes now. And Matt Reeves is definitely a director to watch. Well, uh, I'll see you at the Cars 3 screening because I'll be there too. And uh, Sounds good. <laughs> Chris, have a good night, man. And again, t- uh, thanks for taking the time out uh, and nice chatting with you. Hey, it was my pleasure. It was great. So there it is. Uh, that was Chris Williams again, and uh, this is the Film Survivor Podcast, and I appreciate you listening. Uh, next week, what do we got coming out? Uh, Cars 3 is one of the bigger releases. Also, the uh, the Tupac Shakur movie, All Eyes on Me, uh, and we'll maybe be discussing some of that stuff. Uh, so join me next week again on this podcast as we keep rolling through. As we uh, get closer to uh, Survivor uh, coming out in the fall. And uh, yeah, I got lots of movie stuff coming up your way this summer. So uh, again, you can find all my stuff at Tom Santilli on Twitter and on Instagram at, the, at, uh, at this point. I joined Instagram, guys. Woohoo! Uh, and then my website, TomSantilli.com. And also, you can find me on Facebook. So I appreciate you listening. 
That'll do it for this edition of the Film Survivor Podcast. I'm Tom Santilli. Talk to you next week.